Welcome to Own Goal Podcast, date of recording, August 25th, 2021, and our long, long, long summer vacation has finally come to an end. It's time for business to resume as usual. To all our little pod babies, all our lovely little listeners, we've met you all. Uh, Donnie had a, a very busy summer, uh, bought a house, has since moved into that house, got married, went on a honeymoon. Meanwhile, I've been like out in my underwear watching midweek uh, Champions League qualifying games, so I'm ready to pod. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a busy summer. Uh, neglected our podcast duties. We have a lot to catch up on. And we will probably miss a lot that's happened in the last two and a half months and forget to talk about important things. And I feel like I barely remember the Euros. But, you know, we figure we'll, we'll, we'll knock off what we can and then we'll tee us up for a nice conversation about international soccer next week. Uh, but first... To the byline. It's in, it's in our goal! It's a gift! Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out, almost hits his heel, and goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball, it's the inside of his car. The Euros were the epitome of heartbreak. And by the epitome of heartbreak, it was exactly what was supposed to happen to the English national team. Um, you know? I, I don't know. I, I actually, obviously the, the Euros were, I think, a harrowing uh, moment for all of us when they started out uh, with the really scary um, you know, incident with Christian Eriksen. Uh, but watching the way that that Denmark team responded throughout the entire tournament definitely helped that they had a lot of home games to play in Copenhagen. But I, I, you know, picked that team going into the tournament with my team to support, and they made it to the semifinals, which I was very, very happy with. Yeah, I um, obviously what happened to Christian Eriksen was horrifying. Thanks for the quick thinking of his captain, um, AC Milan center back, Simon Kier. Yeah, Kier. Simon Kier. Um, and the doctors and the cardiologists who, who, yeah. who just ran out of the stands and, you know, he was able to get, uh, he, you know, re- resuscitated and now, you know, he's walking around and he's health, relatively healthy, which is miraculous. There seems to be no sort of brain damage or other readily apparent physical damage, which is great. Um, and that was a scary scene to start out a tournament. But I think, you know, after that, there were definitely strong Team of Destiny vibes for Denmark because you can just tell. It's just like, I mean, they were just all united to that one purpose. And, you know, instead of letting that event break them and destroy them, it bonded them together in a a way I think many of us can't even understand. And, I mean, I'll be honest, that their second game uh, where you just had the entire stadium in Copenhagen – screaming, cheering, everybody holding up, you know, juries and banners for Ericsson. I I was getting emotional. It was, it was, and I, you know, have no affinity for the guy on like a personal level, but that was, that was really cool to see. And I think it definitely powered them. It's also interesting that the four teams that made the finals, all four played the, the four of them played more home games than anybody else in the tournament. 
Yeah, so you had England and Denmark in one of the semis, and in the other semi you had... Uh, Italy and Spain. Italy and Spain, exactly. Um, I actually think when we were making our picks, I kind of failed to really account for that. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about the weird format. Uh, the you know, it was it was a, a COVID based format where you kind of have these little pods and you can have a little bit less travel uh, and also like less people all over the place within one country or within two countries. Uh, and I know going into the tournament, they, they some people had mentioned that this would be a format that they would consider moving forward. I'm hoping that that's not the case as a result of this. I do think there was a bit of a, of a home field advantage for these four teams that would have been nice if the other teams weren't at a disadvantage like that because there is you know, something said to be able to play all your games in front of your home fans or most of your games. Obviously, the semis were, were at Wembley semifinals. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was going to uh, start with kind of the humorous route and talk about England, but you kind of hijacked let's, that. No, let's, let's, let's talk about England. We, 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 we've been serious. We, now, now we can dive right in. Let's. I mean, you're going to say there's a humorous route talking about England, you know, I'm sure, because of the way it ended, but... I mean, that's another great tournament showing for England. It was. But at the same time, it wasn't. Because I think that, you know, Southgate can get results. But at the same time, you can't help but to feel that his tactics and his squad selection kind of hamstrings a team that could maybe still get those results, maybe with some flair and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's just me. But, you know, you start out against Croatia, the team that knocked you out of the, of the World Cup in the semifinals. And you beat them. And you got a nervy game against Scotland. And, you know, England, they, they're the, strong at the, the back. They don't concede the, many goals this tournament. The 0 0 uh, loss to Scotland, right? 0-0 lost to Scotland. But you know, they get out of the group, and what's their reward for finishing first? The enemy as old as time, Germany, <laughs> in the knockout rounds. But at Wembley. But at Wembley. And England triumph. And they progress through. And who do they play in the quarterfinal? Sweden. Sweden. Fucking dictum. Good draw, England France. And then they face a team of destiny in Denmark. And they benefit by an incredibly, 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 incredibly soft penalty call that should not have been called a penalty. And as the type of call, VAR should be there to reverse. Yeah, that's the call it is there to, to, to fix, to, especially in that, in that moment. In with theory. The, with the severity there. And... You know, we always say refs need to referee the first 10 minutes the same as the last 10 minutes of a game. Um, and there's, there's, I think, credibility to that. How you blow that whistle on that level of quote-unquote contact in that situation, I will never understand. Yeah, I'm with you. 
I mean, I, I would never. You should never blow that whistle in any moment in any game, even if it's a friendly. I don't care if it's a bunch of eight-year-olds playing. You're not giving that penalty. Uh, so that that broke my heart, and you know, I, I mentioned before the the tournament that I wasn't supporting Italy. I wasn't really excited about the team and, and all this stuff. And we we joked about it, maybe on the pod, but definitely off the pod. That even before the tournament started, because I switched allegiances, this would be definitely the tournament where Italy just goes fucking off. And of course. From right from their first game, they were after the after the first game everybody played. I think Italy were a, a very popular new tournament favorite, and I was yeah, like, well, that, they won like four zero. Yeah, and I was like, that's fucking fitting. Uh, let's all laugh at me. I'm the I'm the the sad clown laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. But that the way England won, some some group text uh, comments back and forth between people who remain unnamed. Uh, made me switch a- after Denmark lost. I decided, fuck it, I can't, I can't support England. Uh, I'm back in on Italy. I wasn't like waving an Italian flag. I wasn't even wearing blue or anything during the game. But that was the team I decided for the final that I would like to be victorious because I was a little bitter on on just how the penalty and how the game played out. Yeah, I mean Raheem Sterling, serial diver. You ain't going to hear any different from me. That's the Pep Guardiola school for you right there. Um, and, you know, there's always that moment where I trick myself into believing that England can win the, an international tournament. And it hadn't come. Didn't come in the group stage. Didn't come in the round of 16 win against Germany. Quarterfinal win against Sweden, no. Semifinal win against Croatia, no. Denmark. Denmark, no. But then, you know, I, I kind of alluded to the tactics. I had two man you guys out there, Harry Maguire and my boy Luke Shaw. So I was all in on Luke Shaw, who three assists, two goals, broken ribs, I don't know, like all bunch of clean sheets. The dude was England's player of the tournament. I think you're insane if you think otherwise. He contributed on both ends of the field. Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't know uh, – it- an attacking sequence that led to a goal that did not directly involve Shaw. You know, some of them were assists. There were goals there, um, as I'm sure you want, you'll, you'll, you'll touch on a little more directly. Uh, but there also were key passes that, you know, the hockey type assist, where he put a ball in, somebody would, would, would pass it on, and then there would be the goal. So Shaw was amazing. He was immaculate for for England. Uh, easily, I think, best fullback of the tournament, one of the best players of the tournament. Um and I'm sure you want to take this somewhere. Well, so as I was going to say, and then the final started, and I still did not believe England could win. I even said, oh, they, they're going to lose in the most heartbreaking way possible in penalties. That is what they do. This is what England does. But then to, an old war, to an old war enemy. To an old war enemy. And the Italians have done it plenty of times to them. Both done war to them and beaten them in knockout rounds of <laughs> tournaments. And then Luke Shaw scored in the second minute. And for about five minutes, from the second minute to the seventh minute, I believed that they were going to win. Because it was, it was my guy. It's my guy. It, I love Luke Shaw. I have defended Luke Shaw through the low years. And now after he, he had the best season of his career, both for club and for country, and one of the best. I, I think he was you – could, you could make an argument he was the best fullback in Europe from August 2020 – to July of 2021. His level of play was superb on both sides of the field. And he scored. And I was in. 
for five minutes. It was coming home. It was coming home for five minutes in my We're, mind. That that phrase though doesn't make sense to me for the Euros. Because it's never come home. It's never. It's, it's, England's not its home. It's never been there. Agreed. Okay. It also really doesn't right. make sense for the World Cup. They've only won one. <laughs> it's not like they have motherfucking five. <laughs> um. And then something happened that you, we... You know we, what happened. Yeah, you know, well, and you alluded to this earlier when I mentioned that it was a good showing results-wise for England. Um, England played Southgate ball. They got a lead, and they decided, let's defend. Let's be like Italy of the 90s, Italy of the early or the early aughts, Italy of the 80s. They were playing Italy. Don't You don't have to be Italy of past decades where you get a lead and then you clamp down, suffocate the game and defend, you know, until the game ends. When you have the attacking talent that England has. All of them and, on the bench. And when you don't have the defending talent that Italy of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, had. Uh, it's kind of a, a combo there. It was just shocking to see how quickly... because. I get why for those five minutes you you still believe because it wasn't score the goal and then immediately park the bus. There was you know a few minutes where you guys were still pressing the were still pressing the play. You know Italy was shell shocked. They hadn't been in the scenario in the tournament, and it was about seven minutes to ten minutes in when it felt like okay we're gonna we're gonna park. 10 people behind our line and just leave a striker up to break the, to you know, break the pressure, but we're, we're going to defend. We're going to rely on Calvin Phillips. We're going to rely on Mason Mount and our defense. And that's going to be what we do. At which point you're inviting anybody you play to equalize when you're given the 90, you know, what 85 minutes to score. Yeah. Well said. Um, so at that moment, I just knew that this was just going to be heartbreaking for England. Um, and, you know, I just... Thinking about that game again now, you're in, you're at Wembley. you got a packed house. Like, 20,000 people have, like, forced their way into the stadium who shouldn't have been there. That's another yeah. issue. Yeah. You just scored in the second minute. You get a second goal, that game is over. I oh, guarantee sure. you, if England had scored a second goal in that first half, game over. Yeah, no doubt. I just, I can't, I, I just, maybe it's just like, I just have a certain belief of how the game should be played. In that circumstance, I cannot fathom defending for 85 minutes to hold on to. A, I just, you know, if you're, if it's the 80th minute, and yes, I get it, I get it. I'm not, I'm not insane. Oh, do you get it though? <laughs> a little bit. I just, I just couldn't fathom doing that. And then this tournament, I just felt like had so many penalty shootouts, and that was a big discussion point. And people on Twitter were saying, you know, oh, it's ridiculous that because of penalties, they should just keep playing until they score, like in hockey. And then I reminded them, well, a couple things in hockey, players at least get to rest on line changes. Yeah, you can't do that in soccer. People will die. <laughs> They can't, at a certain point, you cannot play any more 11 v 11 soccer. You just, you can't do it. Hear me out, Donnie. Instead of uh, just like doing it like hockey, 
every couple of minutes in overtime uh, that a goal is not scored, we move the goals in and we shrink the field. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll say this. I think penalty shootouts are some some of the most dramatic spectacle of sport, especially in a game that matters. Whether it's fair, whether it's right, all that aside, like it creates some of the most dramatic spectacles in my opinion. Yes, but the counter is it is at, it's it's like deciding you know, a spelling bee champion in you know, a, in an English administered spelling bee champion is decided by who can uh, name the Greek alphabet fastest. It's not directly related to the challenge at hand. But there's like some there's some things that tie into the skill. That's it. I think it's more like saying that you know, a basketball game coming down to free throws. But oftentimes, a basketball game does come down to who makes the most free throws. Yes, but the basketball game doesn't doesn't come down to structured free throws where you take one, I take one, you take one, I take one. It comes down to oh, you fouled this guy at the end of the game, and now he's got free throws to extend it or end it. Right, so. It's close, but still not the same. Also, speaking of penalties, I've got the uh, MLS Liga MX All-Star game on, mm-hmm. and it's uh, penalties. And it's uh, it's some of the worst penalty taken I've seen collectively. Well, um, so then, you know, Southgate chooses to bring on Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford, cold as hell, to take some of the penalties. Which is, you know, I kind of go back and forth. I think this is one of those things that's super easy to criticize in hindsight. But at the time, these are guys who both have pretty good penalty records for their clubs. So I'm not actually going to be super harsh on this one. I think this one, a lot of people, I think it's, like I said, I think a lot of people are criticizing it because it didn't work but like for example it was the dumbest thing in the world for harry Maguire to take the second penalty for england harry Maguire had one of the best penalties of that Dude, he, he broke the camera <laughs> harry Maguire had an incredible penalty despite the result i still think that was a stupid fucking decision so here i'm not going to necessarily I, I think it's i think it's a little lazy to criticize this one just because with the benefit of hindsight yeah okay they missed rashford hit the fucking post but these are guys who take penalties for their clubs and it's not and coaches throughout history sub on players at the end for shootouts it's not something that's exactly unheard of it was just really unfortunate that they missed it was really unfortunate that soccer missed but the worst part oh god no no please what's the worst part well the worst part was the way a, a loud minority of england fans reacted to three eight black players missing their penalties yeah. which that was that pretty much kind of like ruined everything. I think that that was that was what worse than anything that happened on the field. That was just absolutely disgusting, shameful. And then, then and then you had uh, you know person or, or people unknown uh, go ahead and like graffiti hate messages on the mural of Rashford where where he grew up. Uh, but then you know. That, that that is shitty and that is uncalled for. But the the next morning you had uh, I think a like a, a mother and her, her son went or her daughter went to the mural and put like like 
pieces of paper over the hate messages and put these messages of love. And then by the end of the day, you had like 50 different messages from people all over the area putting those things up. And so it was cool to see how the larger, wider, you know, community, the community that matters, uh, rally around, not just Rashford, but Sancho and Saka as well. Yeah. Uh, but that, that doesn't, doesn't gloss over the fact that, that you know, this was, it was un uncalled for unforgivable way that these listen, people react. Listen, if you want to tweet Rashford, Sokka, you guys suck. How can you not make a fucking penalty? And that's your tweet. I got no objection to that tweet. You're a fan, you're complaining. As soon as you bring in their race into it, you're disgusting and it's just uncalled for. You can yeah. criticize. You can absolutely say you guys should have made those penalties, those terrible penalties. That's, that's one thing, but... As soon as you take it beyond that and you bring someone's race into it, you're a piece of shit and you're a scumbag. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty, uh, again though, kind of backing away from the serious issues, losing in penalties at Wembley in the Euro final was the most England way possible to go out. And I kind of want to switch gears and talk about how awesome this Italy team was, how they were so different wow. from Italy teams in the past. I mean, yeah. they're on like a 35-game win streak, so let's kind of switch gears to kind of hype them up a bit. Yeah, so you know, they're fucking we, awesome, dude. Chiesa we, was electric. We made illusions. <laughs> I'm still too too bitter to talk about that. We we made illusions, uh, or I did, to Italy's of the past, right? The 06 World Cup team, what the team that won it back in the 80s. That the team that that's won it a lot of times has been a stalwart defensive team, right? In most recent years, you've had Chiellini, uh, Barzali. Obviously, you had uh, Buffon, and then Benucci, kind of all in the back line in, in goal. Years before that, you've had guys like Cannavaro, Maldini, you know, Baresi way back in the day. This team had defensive stars, right? You had Chiellini and Benucci, uh, but they're like 80 years old now, right? This was this team had the experience in the back line, but was never going to defend 90 minutes and win you a game from defense. So they, you know, Mancini, who took, who took over after Italy missed the World Cup, uh, has built a, a team that, that play like a club team almost. Yeah. You know, they have great chemistry together. They know where each other are going to be. They can make these intricate, you know, multi-touch, five different player immediate pass plays because they just, they just know. Uh, you put together, you know, players like Dominic Berardi, uh, Berardi, uh, Chiesa, you also have, you know, Locatelli played really well. Um, then, you know, even their actual strikers never really showed what they needed them to. Immobile didn't didn't light up the goal. Uh, in, in his relief, you had uh, Bellotti didn't really score much, but they had so much goal participation from everybody. Their fullbacks played incredibly. Uh, so it was, it was just a unique view of a team wearing Italy colors that we haven't really seen on a large scale. Uh, but as you mentioned, they came into the the tournament with like a, you know, 29 or, or something game uh, uh, unbeaten run, and they extended it all the way through the tournament. Yeah. They, they were incredible um, just to watch the entire tournament, just banging in goals left and right. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about that group of death of Portugal, France, um, Germany, and Hungary, and how kind of those three teams, France, Portugal, Germany, were all pretty big disappointments. So, I, yeah, I also think we need to call it Hungary. Hungary played well. 
Hungary uh, led led in that group. Hungary led more uh, more game minutes than any of the other three teams. Yes, yeah. uh, Hungary played really well. They were one of the teams that got to play home games, uh, so I think that that says something. They were also without their best player during qualifying, uh, the guy who moved from Salzburg to Leipzig, Dominic Solzbelai, uh, who's really good, talented winger. So he he picked up an injury at, after moving to Leipzig, the midway point last year, so he couldn't play. Which would have been interesting if he had been there. He may have been able to you know shake some stuff up, but uh, Hungary played really well. And Germany now, two straight tournaments where they, they have not pressed. Yeah. You get, you get, I guess their hope is that when uh, Hansi Fleet takes over, it's going to be different. But they were, I mean, how the fuck do you, I mean, as a Germany team... You pride yourself on beating England in the knockout round. Well, but and, and, and they had to play England because they finished third in the group, right? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So even to be in a, in a position where they they are getting that England draw, you know, if this was the previous Euro, they wouldn't have made it out of the group stage. Then France losing to Switzerland in penalties. After how, where they should have had that game put to bed. Oh, yeah. They are. They looked like a team of ego and personalities clashing. I mean, you have you have Pavard and Varane yelling at each other. Yep, you've got Griezmann making I think or Mbappe uh, having some spats semi publicly uh, with Griezmann and or about Griezmann and about uh, Benzema. Benzema was awesome. But but even before the tournament started, there were some. Uh, reporters claiming that that Mbappe was talking to people close to him about how he doesn't like that, like the attention and spotlight Benzema is bringing to like the French team in chemistry. Agre- yes, Mbappe clearly. I think, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. He likes to be the star of the show, but Benzema was awesome to watch. Benzema was fantastic. He had that one goal where he like. The ball was behind him, and he somehow brought it ahead of him and still beat beat the ball, beat to the keeper to the ball and put it in. It was incredible. Benzema was great, but here's the question. Is he so much, you know, the Benzema story, the, the saga, is it too much of a distraction for the rest of the team to operate cohesively together? No, because you forget who the manager of France is, and it's still Didier Deschamps. And him winning a World Cup had to do with the talent of the players he had available. They won in spite of him, not because of him. I think a competent manager manages the personalities, gets what he needs for the good of the team. That is not Deschamps. I think he lost in the round of 16 to motherfucking Switzerland. When he when they, they had the game sealed up. Yes. So... It wasn't. It wasn't like they went down two nothing to Switzerland, right? It, yes. it, they they were they were in. They in were great three one. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh. So what what needs to happen? Obviously, he just won a World Cup. So you know what? Almost four years ago. Uh, what has to happen for Deschamps to be out of there? Well, France would have to not qualify for the next World Cup, which would be impossible. Yeah, so they're gonna like qualify. they're so good that even if even if you had like 
even if you gave me a lobotomy and put like my vegetable body as the manager, they would still qualify for the World Cup. That's just how good they are. So here, here's my, here's my next question. They qualify, which they're going to. Yes, no doubt. And we want them to. Like it would not be fun. To no, go we, through the I mean we want Mbappe there. Yeah, we want you want Benzema. Benzema. I want Teo. Yeah, I want Pogba. Okay, well Teo's never going to happen as long as Deschamps. There's some rumors that he might get announced tomorrow as part of the qualifier squad. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I've, been but, hurt, I've been hurt by Teo not being included before. I don't want to be hurt again. Here's my question. And then I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I I, I don't care. Um, fuck, fuck the rundown. I'm just, I'm just going to throw stuff at you now. Uh, it's the next World Cup. France is in there. What needs to happen to them in, that, in the next World Cup for them to, for Deschamps to be fired and Zidane to take his rightful place? Uh, if they don't fail, if they don't get out of the group stage, number one. Okay. But like, they will. Yep. Because it's the World Cup. Yep. Losing in the round of sixteen in the World Cup, they cannot have back to back round of sixteen losses. Back to so you think that back to back round of sixteen losses in a major tournament after four years prior winning the World Cup is enough to get to jump out? Yes. Okay. Because here's the other question. But if they if, if they go to the quarterfinals and lose, he stays. I mean, it really has yeah. to be. Yeah. Don't get out of the group stage or lose in the round of sixteen. It has to be one of those two things. My next question: Zidane's not taking a job until like that. that like, he's waiting for that, right? That, he's taking a break. He's taking a break to see, you know, does does the chump get fired or leave the, leave leave the team? At any point, he's, I'm guessing, waiting till the end of the World Cup to to then entertain offers. And he really doesn't have to wait that long from where we are now. It'll be like 16 no. months. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay, so I know I took us off, off script here, but it's an important question. <laughs> and we haven't talked about one of the, the third team of that group of death that disappointed. And then, you know, uh, oh yeah, Portugal. I mean, lo- I'll say this. Losing to Belgium isn't something to really be disappointed about. Belgium have been a good international team for six, seven, eight years now. It was just the way they lost to Belgium. I think Santos, it's time to move on from him. Just name Ronaldo as player manager. Like, you have a team with so much offensive pot firepower. You shouldn't. It wasn't that they didn't score against Belgium. I just feel like they didn't create even that many chances. And that's concerning when you got it, when you have the squad that they have and the depth that they have. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, honestly, you there's three teams here that we've talked about in the, in the what, 30 minutes that we've been going over this tournament. Uh, England, Portugal, and France, who have incredible attacking talent. Incredible attacking talent. Uh, who All three of their managers set them up to play defensively. Now, some of them had better results, right? Obviously, France did not have the same level of tournament that England had. But at the end of the day, they all played defensively. When they they could have gone for it. they could have fucking attacked. Yeah. yeah. Although I guess France's issue was they let in too many goals uh, at the end of the day. Um, I, France France's issue is just that Deschamps sucks. But he but he he, he prizes the def- defensive like stability. The, those are the like the lineups he puts forth are about protecting his D. He's very insecure about his D. Doesn't surprise me at all. Um, All right, I think we've talked enough about the Euro. Um, I just want to mention that Belgium, 
Would have loved to have seen that Belgium-Italy game played with a fully healthy Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Not, to take, uh, not, not trying to take anything away from Italy by any means. I just, you know, at the international tournaments, you want to see all, everyone fully healthy. Yeah, that would have been... You know, that's that was so unfortunate uh, for KDB to pick up the injuries he did in the Champions League final. Uh, have them kind of keep him out of being fully fit. He's still not fully fit. You know, he hasn't he hasn't started a game for City yet. I don't believe in the in the, the start of the Premier League. So obviously, it was something relatively serious. And they got this win. This this team, I think, has got one more window. Yeah, with Lukaku playing like an animal, Kevin De Bruyne is the best playmate, plus attacking mid in the world, playmaker in the world, whatever you want to call it. They got one more window, but that defense is so old, they need people to replace those defenders, yeah. or they need to say, fuck defense, we'll score four goals a game and win. Just put four fullbacks on the, on the back line. And... Speaking of fullbacks, let's talk a little U.S. soccer. <laughs> So, obviously, we talked last time we potted about the Nations League victory over Mexico. Um, just want to make sure we all remember that. And since then, after the Euros, uh, we had a little Gold Cup action. Mm. The Gold Cup, usually a mostly meaningless tournament, but in years past, um, every two year, every like two Gold Cups can give you win it can give you access to the Federation's uh, Cup, where it's kind of like a World Cup trial run, although that's been kiboshed this year. So the Gold Cup was even more meaningless. And I think the U.S. roster that was called up for the tournament really reflected that. Big time full of MLSers. And and not just... And and kind of MLSers that were pretty... I would say not well-known by the U.S. soccer community. People called this the B squad. I honestly saw it as a between B to C squad. Yeah, I really thought there was a, C, a lot of C squad implications in it. Uh, you know, important to note, UEFA doesn't recognize the CONCACAF calendar. They don't sync up, right? So it's not – I mean, it's during the off season, so it's fine. But clubs, I think, in Europe may have been more interested in, in having their players start to show up for, for – preseason training and stuff like that also we want our european guys to be able to earn their places in their squads so we don't want to call them up it's the gold cup so it's not super important uh mls gives you know lets their players go so that that was easy to to work with but mexico talk about that lineup huh i'd say my except for like three and a half guys it was pretty much an 18 but those three and a half guys it was guys that couldn't be called up because of injury. Like, like they, they called up Chucky Lozano. They he got call, hurt. They called the best team they could call up of, yeah. healthy, of what was available. Yeah. Yeah. They, they lost Lozano in the, in the first game because he got hurt. Uh, they couldn't call up Raul Jimenez. Uh, but I guarantee you, had he been healthy, and it's great to see that he's healthy and recovered from that, that horrifying injury uh, that he got last season. But had he been healthy, they would have called him up. They would have played Lozano the entire tournament. They, they were going, you know, Tata Martinez was going into this tournament to win the whole thing. And when all the rosters were, were set up, it was the out-and-out favorite. Mexico wins this tournament. Anything other than that is disappointment for them. Yes. And, uh, it was... I mean, those games, the watching 
honestly, the 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 U.S. scraped through, uh, especially that semifinal game against Qatar. We looked horrible. We we once we really got into the knockout stages, I thought we did not look that great. Uh, we got, I think, a, a pretty friendly path to the final, but I, I was. I thought we were going to get steamrolled uh, by Mexico in the final because we were just not convincing. We had shaky moments on defense. We weren't scoring goals on offense against, you know, teams much worse and less talented than the Mexico squad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, the quarterfinal we played Jamaica. I was able to go to that game, my first ever uh, U.S. men's national team game. Um, And we, it was bad. We did not look good. Now, luckily... Matthew Hoppy had a great, great goal with plenty of swag to get us through. And, you know, when we played Qatar again, it was just kind of by the skin of our teeth, a 1-0 win. And so I agree with you. You know, I think everyone pretty much expected it to be USA-Mexico in the final. And that came to pass. And I did not like our chances. And for a, for a lot of stretches of that game, I had no idea how it was 0-0. But both teams had a lot of chances. In a that, lot of chances. Especially in that first half. And honestly, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there, sure, it seemed like teams were being outplayed. But it it never really felt like when you took into like a 30-minute swath of time or, for, or half, right, 45 minutes, it never felt like one team was playing the other out of the stadium. Yeah. This was our – B or really C squad playing with the, almost the A squad of Mexico and holding them. I mean, it should have been at some points, you know, two one, two two, right? There should have been goals, but it was it was zero zero. Paul Ariola um, had a game to fucking forget. I remember oh that. Oh god, I cannot believe he. I mean, he had two bad misses, but the first miss was that's got to be the worst miss of his career. There's only one worse, only one worse miss I've seen in a U.S. jersey in a knockout. Wondolowski, Belgium. Belgium. Yep. And that was that was the that was the worst miss I have ever witnessed. Just because mm-hmm. of the emotional stakes it meant to to me as a fan, but also like how open the goal was and how close he was to the goal with the ball. And it was just a whole bunch. Of and stuff. you know what? If he had missed it to the right or the left, I could sleep easier with it. But it was the fact <laughs> that he missed it over. I don't know how. It, it was. It's like when FIFA, when the physics engine fucks up. It was like <laughs> as if like God's physics engine was broken for a second. Uh, but that the Paul Nipples miss was was horrifying. Uh, Mexico had some chances. Funes Mori was was a problem. You know he's a, a big striker. Uh, we had some trouble with him. You know he had some chances that he couldn't put away. Uh, but Kellen Acosta, I thought, had an incredible game. Needs to be shouted out. Uh, also, Miles Robinson, who we'll get to a, in a minute, was immense in defense all tournament and again against Mexico. And what about the goalie, Turner? Yeah, Matt Turner. Uh, he honestly, I thought he was more impressive in, in, the, in the some of the earlier uh, rounds, just because there were some times where we hung him up dry. But he had some great saves against Mexico too. Uh, he had a great tournament. Some people are, are asking, is, is Stefan still the starter? To which I say, yeah, one thousand percent yes. There's no question there. But you know, Horvath may not be the uh, second string. And, you know, Turner Turner played himself into contention. And um, also, what about, I think, Acosta. So, Acosta put the ball in uh, on a dead ball out wide. And 
it was an incredible header from Miles Robertson to give us the lead. Yeah, and to set the stage, I mean, we're four or five minutes away from uh, penalties. Penalties. Zero-zero. And Miles Robinson fucking flew. And yeah. just... I just... I remember just sitting at the house watching and just exploding. And it was just, you know, him and uh, his CV partner, Sands. Jim Sands, yeah. Just... They, they had a, they had a solid, they, they had a decent showing together. I, I thought Sands was a little shaky at times. I'll be honest. I, I know some of our friends were, were impressed with Sands and, and he did have some, some key interceptions and some key clearances and stepped up in a lot of key moments. Shit in possession. He was shaky. Uh, I, he, I, was, yeah, I agree. Not good with the ball at his feet. I was much more impressed with, uh, with Miles Robinson than I was with Sands. Um, and, and I, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, would love to see Miles make a move, right? Let's. You, you did a good job. You know, that's that's what I'm looking. For. What I look for in these Gold Cups really is okay. Who are the MLSers who are going to impress and then be the guys that disappoint me for the next two years when they do not leave MLS? That's that's what I look for, and, and he's he's one that I want to move. Uh, Kellen obviously came onto the scene early with FC Dallas. Uh, was in the U.S. camp, was playing solid, then just kind of, I think, personally had some, I don't know what you think about issues, but he just lost his form, lost his interest in the game, got that move to Colorado, and has been, you know, even better than his, his earlier self. Now it's time for him to get to Europe. I agree. I agree. That's the, uh, I feel like the Gold Cup is just a great opportunity for U.S. talent and MLS to show to kind of show themselves to the world stage and try to get over to Europe and compete with all of our other guys, with our A-listers who are who are over there. And, you know, we got 12 guys in the Champions League this season, which is awesome. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, USA won the Gold Cup. Happy we could get another win in Mexico in just a, in a matter of months. Happy that these guys could have that experience. Happy, you know, winning trophies is always good, but... Now it's time for business. Now it's time for World Cup qualifiers. And that's I've there've just been random nights over the past, I don't know, seven, eight months where I wake up in cold sweat. And not even like, oh, I just had a nightmare where we failed to qualify for the World Cup again. Uh, but just knowing that we've had we've had a lot of positive US and its national team, you know, what's felt like progress uh, over the past two years, really. Um, and it, it's honestly hard to say, is it truly progress? Because until World Cup qualifying, it doesn't really matter. You just don't know. Well, also, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, everything we've done doesn't really matter. And because there aren't really stakes at, like, a national team level, right? The Na- Nations League is incre- it's awesome. I'm glad that that win was incredible. But what the fuck is the Nations League? The Gold Cup. We've, we know what the fuck the Gold Cup is, and it's not important. So the stakes aren't there, then it, I, it, we haven't tested ourselves in the true fire. World Cup qualifying, you know, five years ago, I, I wouldn't have talked about World Cup qualifying like this because we should never miss the World Cup in our, in our region, in our zone. In our uh, lifetime, but, we had never missed the World Cup. But we, are in a, we live in a world now where that can happen. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I am 
I think our team is really talented. I think you know our starting eleven is primary or needs to be pri- all. It needs to be all Europe based players at starting eleven. It's going to end up being what eight eight out of eleven probably. Yeah, because you know, like Sebastian Verhalter loves Legit so much. Like Legit's going to start. Yep. I bet. I, I think he's going to find a way to put Kellen Acosta in there. Uh, and then a center back. Why? He's going to partner somebody with Brooks. That's wild to me. It's going to be Miles. It'll, it'll be Miles Robinson. Well, that's better than a lot of the other options. I mean, it could be fucking Walker Zimmerman, right? So I could be wrong. Um, but the, he, those are going to be the three, the three MLSers that we're going to have to. And then, and then his, you know, his first sub off the bench is going to be. Uh, Paul Nipples or uh, Christian Roldan or Zardes. Oh fuck! We could. Oh, Zardes might. Well, Zardes got hurt, so I don't think he's gonna be. That's a good. That's a good point. I was, I'm thinking about next week's uh, qualifiers. I, I don't know if Zardes is gonna be back from his hamstring injury, but he he could potentially be a starter if he if he was healthy, right? You know, Greg loves him. Also wild to me. Yeah, so I'm 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 nervous. I'm excited, right? It's it's gonna be fun to have. Oh, I'm excited now. If we don't get at least two wins in our first three games here, I'm gonna be fucking terrified. Uh, luckily, two of them are road games, and well, luckily, unluckily, you gotta win your home games, right? In Concacaf World Cup qualifying, our home game against is against Jamaica, and our road games are against uh, El Salvador and Honduras. So, I thought our home game was against Canada. Oh, it's Canada. You're right. Jamaica is the one we're, I'm going to, and maybe you are too, uh, yes. in October. Uh, so Canada, I mean, that's going to be top, that's the third or fourth best team in our in our group. So that'll be a tough one. Uh, and then in El Salvador and Honduras, we're going to have to play on shitty fields, right? A lot, a lot of bumps, a lot of holes. They're probably going to have their hotels being disturbed with fireworks and stuff all, all night, not get any sleep. So it's going to be classic CONCACAF shenanigans, classic CONCACAF. Yeah. Shenanigans, uh, some, some hijinks and some stuff that these young players, U S or Europe based haven't really experienced. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a test, but the talent level is absolutely there of the players we have. And honestly, looking at these first three games, I think anything of less than seven points out of nine is completely unacceptable. Uh, we six should points get, to me. Six points to me yeah, is unacceptable. We should get. We should get nine. Uh, if we don't get seven, I'm gonna have. Um, I'll be seeing a different team. Even if we get two wins, but but we lose. If we lose a game, or if we draw more than one, I'm gonna have a problem. Oh um, God, I'll be <laughs> sick if we draw more than one. Yeah. Real, real quick though, uh, just a heads up. Usually it's the hex, right, in Concacaf, but right. because COVID uh, basically delayed and ended up canceling some of the earlier rounds in the Concacaf qualifying process, it's this year it's an oct, an oct, an ox. So an there's octagon? eight. Yeah, there's there's. Are you trying to say an octagon? Well, I'm just saying because they call it hex, so it's an for oct. hexagon. I know, but it's an oct. Uh, it's an octagonal tournament, so you got eight teams in there. Can we call it the uh, octopus? Yeah, we call it the octopus. Three teams 
auto qualified to the World Cup, and then the fourth team does the Intercontinental Playoff. So it's still the same total number of spots eligible. Uh, there's just two more teams that could cause hiccups or problems. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 time to write the it's time to write the wrongs of 2017 and missing the 2018 World Cup and. You know, at the end of the day, obviously Berhalter is going to have a big impact, and he's going to do things that I we disagree with, like having three or four MLSers in there. But even that being said, the team should still qualify, despite all. Oh, that. hands down. And uh, we've got and the other uh, change with formatting. Usually, the international break, you get two uh, qualifying games, and then they go back, and then a month later, you get two. Uh, we're going to get windows of three qualifying. So it's going to be even more soccer, international soccer squeezed into the international breaks, which means we're going to see, I think, larger rosters called in uh, and probably some rotation between games, which means we're going to get, you know, that that's another way that Greg is going to squeeze some more of his uh, MLS guys into the, uh, the playing time as well. Uh, so we're going to sync back up after the, after the second international World Cup qualifying game. We'll recap the, the first two, talk a little bit about the third one upcoming. Uh, so we'll kind of touch back in, in base there. We'll, we can also, you know, talk on any of the Europe uh, and Cannonball qualifiers that, that catch our eye. But I think we do want to save some time today to jump into the club soccer. Yes, and there's just one last thing I wanted to say on the qualifiers. One kind of tied the bow. Christian Pulisic is the most, maybe the most exciting, biggest potential, kind of, could be that guy for the USA. I mean, the potential to be our greatest ever player. But if you've never played in a World Cup, you will never be this country's greatest player. And I think... He personally, with knowing the legacy he could build for himself and the leadership that he has because of his talent level in that locker room, I think it's something important for him to keep in mind. That, to me, until you've played in the World Cup, Clint Dempsey is the greatest outfield player to ever play for the United States. Oh, hands down. And also, I think, you know, Christian is, was involved in the qualifying process and was part of the team that failed. You know, he failed... Uh, himself, his teammates. Obviously, he wasn't the worst performer on the team. He had some some solid performances, but he failed. Uh, that was a, a black mark on his, uh, his record. None of the other guys that we're really going to see, I, we haven't seen the roster yet, but I think it's going to be a very inexperienced yeah. uh, qualifying roster. It's gonna a lot of that leadership is gonna fall on his shoulders to in camp and preparation get them ready for what they haven't experienced right in these these shitty uh, like quality fields, you know nothing nothing against the the, the countries but road games in Concacaf, uh, the field conditions are rough and tough and that helps uh, even out the talent disparity. It's sure. not like it's not like these countries aren't able to have better fields. It's actually they they build them and set them up this way to help them out a little bit. It's right? a tactical advantage. It gives them a tactical yeah. advantage. Uh, I just want to make it clear that we're not like disparaging the company, the countries. No, it's no, just, no, 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 Yeah, definitely not. It's something that our players will not be used to. You know, the, the, 
and it'll be rough. And Christian needs to get them ready for it. Greg needs to get them ready for it. Uh, although Greg doesn't really have World Cup qualifying experience either. So, it's, and, and that's what I'm saying. You know, now is the time for Pulisic to be that guy and to step up. And uh, I hope he does, and I think he will. I think he will. But that was the last point I wanted to make. Um, before we go to the Europe, I do want to say that because uh, we were talking about international tournaments, Messi finally got the uh, international trophy by winning the Copa America. Had an incredible tournament, lots of goals, lots of assists, and so just wanted to give him a shout out. I, that was kind of always pro- bothering him, and that was one thing his career never had was an international trophy with his country. So I am happy that he was able to get that done. Yeah, and, and now you have people saying, "Oh, his his Copa." you know, balances out Ronaldo's Euro. Others would argue that the Euro is a harder tournament and a little bit more prestigious uh, to win the, the Copa America. But at the end of the day, he, got, he, won a, he won a major tournament with Argentina, which he had not been able to, to do on the senior level, right? They yeah. won a Olympic gold, but that's in the under-23 competition. Right. So the only thing left for him to accomplish uh, as a soccer player is... World Cup? World Cup. You know. Him and Ronaldo both. Yeah. And I, and Ronaldo has confirmed that the World Cup will be his last international. That'll be it after that for him. And I imagine Messi's probably getting pretty close. I mean, I don't know if he can do go. I don't know what he'll be able to do in four years from now. It's hard to say. Yeah. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see if either of them can make that deep run and, you know, Putting, putting aside my fandom of USA, obviously the number one outcome I would want would be a U.S. Uh, World Cup win. But if, I, if that wasn't a possibility for me, I will say, and this is just getting so far ahead and so off topic, it would be something to see a Messi versus Ronaldo final in the World Cup. I know, Cup. that would be incredible. Like, as a fan of the sport, that would be a fucking spectacle. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's switch gears. Let's go talk about the top four European leagues. Okay, where do you want to start, Eric? Well, you know, we can, we, we can, we can go about this one of two ways. We're going we're gonna to talk on, you know, the, the leagues, you know, how they've kicked off, right? Most of them had two weeks. Uh, Serie A's only had one week. Obviously, there's been some big transfers between teams in leagues and, and between leagues. Uh, but really, I just want to get, like, you know, your, check your pulse on... Your, the storylines that you're following for these top leagues, what you're interested in, and you know, honestly, how how close are you going to watch these different leagues as we go through this season? All right, well, which league would you like to start with? Oh, I see. Why don't we start? Donald? <laughs> let's start with uh, La Liga. La Liga. Uh, I think the number one storyline coming out of La Liga is the fact that Barcelona is 1.3 billion dollars in debt. Like PK, Busquets, Jordi Alba all taking pay cuts so the team can survive. Uh, they, they a few also, years they ago. Have, they, well, and the, the, you, buried, you buried the lead a little bit. Uh, they had to let Messi walk for free. Yes. PSG well, somehow. Well, well, I, think, I think we'll hit on like the, de- you know, the details. We can take it now. Yeah, It's go, all go related. PSG just won the fucking lottery. They got one of the greatest players of all time and didn't spend a dime to acquire him because Barcelona fist-fucked their own finances so bad that they're $1.3 billion in debt. That is a tremendous amount of money to owe 
other people. <laughs> it is one point three billion fucking dollars. I don't even fathom. I don't even fathom how you get into that much debt. You think at like I'm, half I'm a gonna... bill, maybe at half a billion, we decide like maybe we should do something differently. <laughs> nope. Let's just fucking charge ahead. Like guys, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> Holy shit! I want to know what accountant at. Uh, Here's what here's what I imagine it is. Like you've got, I bet you they cycle through accounts at Barcelona because uh, the accounts are you know a little uptight, a little nervy, and they're like, um, guys, we are are burning cash at a rate hitherto unknown, uh, unfathomable, and I think we have a problem. And then Barcelona just fires the accountant because they're like, nope, they don't get it. Bring out somebody else. <laughs> they don't get it. This is what we do. There's always money in the banana stand, Michael. <laughs> and then the next guy comes along and goes, uh, gentlemen, maybe we need to reconsider the corporate strategy. No, he's gone. Gone. And it led to literally the player who has become synonymous with Barcelona is the living legend of Barcelona. What, one, of, one, of, one of the greatest clubs of all time. Their greatest icon. And he was like, well, you can't pay me, so I guess I'm going to fucking Paris. <laughs> it, unimaginable. Uh, so, obviously, Barcelona, just in general, is, is going to be something just to watch and see. Obviously, they, they have brought in some players. Right? They brought in Memphis Depay, uh, who's gotten off to a, a strong start, and who's been you know really good ever since he left Man United. Uh, As usually people are. Yeah, that's what happens. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I miss club soccer. They, they, yeah, they, they they brought in I think a few other other players as well. Um, they haven't been he's hurt and they haven't been able to register him yet or something. But they got Sergio Aguero. He, okay, he was... Sergio Aguero came to Barcelona to play with his best friend Messi, the godfather of his child, and then Messi left to PSG. <laughs> Which is very shitty for Aguero. I feel bad for Sergio Aguero. I do feel bad for Aguero. He got fucked. They still got Griezmann. That's something. Yeah, yeah. They don't. I don't. They don't seem very happy. The fans, I think, are some of the fans are Fucking blaming Griezmann for the for one point. No. <laughs> yes, the, the the Barcelona fans. You gotta love this fan base. They are so in touch. They are so in touch with reality that they want to blame Antoine Griezmann for the fact. That they are $1.3 billion in debt. Donnie, Donnie, you're like the accountants. You don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not going to lie to you, Eric. Barcelona is going to be a fascinating storyline to watch because they don't have Messi. They don't have money. They're going to probably have to sell the naming rights to the Camp Nou. That's like... They, they, they also have a U.S. men's national player, Sergio Dest, who started both their, their league games so far this season. So a couple things to obviously to watch. Um, we have our beloved Celta Vigo um, on ESPN Plus, so you can bet we'll we'll be tuning in when they play Barca, Real, and Atletico. Yep. And then you know I think looking at at Real, they didn't really bring in massive reinforcements and upgrades to their squad. Nope. Right? Like what what Real transfer comes to mind as like oh yeah that's David Alaba in Sergio Ramos out also to PSG. Yep. Which we will we will talk more about PSG we will shortly. Talk about that in a minute. Um, so Alaba in was the biggest get, and that's a great get, but also it was somebody that that is filling a hole of, you know, another 
Real legend. Uh, well, oh, well, I, I guess I'll say this because it, they got Ancelotti, so that's something. It's a good point. They, and, they, they, and, and and in Ancelotti, they have a manager who doesn't despise Gareth Bale, so it's kind of like they signed Gareth Bale again. Yeah, yeah. And he did score for them against Levante. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, this is like the old Tottenham uh, transfer windows when uh, Lucas Moura was going to be healthy for the season. And it's like, we didn't sign anybody, but we have an injured player back healthy for this season, so it's like we signed somebody. The uh, only reason I bring this up is oftentimes we like to look at how many points did a team win the league by uh, last year, and, and you know has the competition done enough to catch, catch that, that point gap? Good news for the competitiveness of La Liga. It was a pretty tight race. I think Atletico beat right out by two points, right? Yes. Um, Barcelona brought in some players, but also lost their their greatest ever player. So, at best, we're calling that one a wash. At <laughs> yes. Real, probably just because Alaba's a lot younger than uh, Ramos, who was hurt a lot. Upgraded a little bit, but I don't really think they upgraded in the way that they probably needed to. No, they didn't, uh, because the, Alaba ended up playing at left back for them against Levante instead of center back, which is why they brought him. And they had they also Nacho. Lost, they, lost, they also lost Varane, too. That's a, they lost the guys who were their starting center backs for all those Champions League wins recently. Because yeah. Varane did go to Man U, which is also very feels very surreal to me. That's a, that's a great business. Um, so I, all I say that is, I think the odds makers have Real and Barcelona as the two favorites to win the league and Atletico to, to be the third favorite. I put my mind on Atletico. Uh, I think after last season, they had a good showing. They've got experienced La Liga players. Diego Simeone is an incredible manager. He really knows La Liga. That's really what I want to keep an eye on is, is can they run it back? I have my money on Real. Because they still have Benzema, who's already has two goals. And I think Vincinius Jr. is going to have a big year this year. He's yeah. already got three goals. Um, I think Ancelotti's good enough to kind of figure it out. So I like Real this year. But I think Athletic, it's going to be between Real and Atletico. I would be shocked if Barcelona won, won La Liga. If Barcelona lose La Liga. Actually, would that be bad for Messi's legacy if Barcelona won? La Liga right after he left. It doesn't matter if I don't think I don't think Ronald Koopman can deliver that. Well, yeah, that guy can't win a trophy. I don't think he can deliver that. I, I can't believe he's still there. That is also shocking. Okay, uh, Donnie, what league do you want to take second? Um, how about the Bundesliga? Ah, um, are you sure you want to talk? Spend any time talking about the Bundesliga? Well, okay, let's just get down to the nitty gritty real quick. <laughs> Bayern Munich will win the league. At some point, you will try to convince me that there's a chance that someone will challenge Bayern Munich. I will tell you to fuck off. Yeah. And then Bayern will win the league with, like, eight games to go. But but in my defense, I, I will never say, Donnie, I think this team is going to win the league over Bayern. I will, as you said, I will point out, Donnie, this team could challenge Bayern for the title. I, 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 I will never truly believe that a team is going to do it. Right, we I've, I've been Dortmund burnt me uh, one time too many. Yes. Uh, that being said, Bayern are not top of the table right now, Donnie. <laughs> Which is fine. 
because they will be. <laughs> um, now, in real talk with the Bundesliga, here's what I like about it. We got some young, promising Americans who ply their craft there. You got Gio Reyna at Dortmund. You got Chris Richards at Bayern, but maybe he'll go out on loan in the next week. We shall see. And we got Tyler Adams with the American under Jesse March at uh, Leipzig. We, we also have Joe Scally, who started the last two games for Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's a right back by trade, but has been playing left back because of an injury. So he's not the starter, you know, but he's 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 started. He had a good showing in the 1-1 draw against Bayern to open the season. He kind of got undressed once or twice and I think was partially responsible for conceding a goal in Mönchengladbach's loss this last week. So that's what I like about the Bundesliga is there's some American talent there to keep an eye on. But, I mean, that, and so that's the storyline I care about. Also, yeah. I care about how many goals Holland scores because that guy's a machine and where he goes after this season because it's probably his last season with Dortmund. But beyond that, beyond the American talent there, beyond wanting Jesse Marsh's Leipzig to do well for his sake and for Tyler Adams' sake, there's nothing for me competitively in this league. I get that. Um, also, John Brooks uh, applying his trade at uh, Wolfsburg. Yeah, so, uh, the, so the reason I don't highlight him is he is such a consistent stalwart. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, he he is the model of consistency. He is going to be a starting center back for us. That is just what he's going to do. So I guess the other guys maybe just have a little bit more potential because they're young. And the I, only, I meant no disrespect to John Brooks. The only reason I bring it up is because – Last year, like the year before, and the year before that, the top the top four, you know, finish, which is not a trophy, is not something to like s- celebrate exuberantly or exuberantly. But in the Bundesliga, it always comes down to the wire for the third, that fourth spot. Sometimes that third spot, uh, like last year, Leipzig ran away with second place uh, with like three or four weeks to go. Dortmund were in sixth and fifth place. And we're able to climb up at the end to get top four. Wolfsburg got top four. So we have, you know, Americans on the four top four teams that will be in the Champions League this year. That that's gonna be exciting. And I'll be watching the top four race for the same thing this season. Uh kind of good news for everybody. Well, the bad news is Schalke and uh Werder Bremen got relegated at the end of last season. So the good news is we don't really have, I don't think, any Americans that should be at threat of being relegated from the Bundesliga this season, which is kind of, I guess, a, a relief. But you mentioned Jesse March and wanting him to do well. I think they're going to be a really, really watchable team in the Bundesliga. We've talked about how, you know, obviously Bayern kind of, A, win the league every year, and B, steal for free, like, the, the second best team's best player, or in this case... And or manager. Or and in this case, case both. They, they stole their best player for... Their, their best defensive player for free, Day uh, with Meccano, and then they paid $30 million for for Nagelsmann, for the manager. So they, they at least gave them money for that. Um, but the other thing that we talk about with the Bundesliga is it's oftentimes a pretty fun uh, style of play. A lot of games are open. A lot of a lot of teams attack each other and, and push. There's a lot of fluidity to the game. And Jesse Marsh uh, has brought with him something that Leipzig used to have. They lost it under Nagelsmann, uh, but Marsh used it at Salzburg, and that's the gig impressing. 
so when they turn the ball over, the forwards immediately collapse on the ball and on all possible outlets around. Uh, so I think it's going to be a fun team to watch. They've got some talent. They've got some exciting newcomers, uh, like we talked about, Dominic Salzbly. Uh So I think it's going to be uh, a team that, that can be fun to watch. This The big question is, can they deliver against Bayern and against Dortmund, who they struggled against both those teams last season? Yeah. Well said. Um, now, now we're down. To, now we're down to our two leagues. Let's 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 quickly hit Syria so we can spend a little more time culminating in Premier League. What do you think? I like that. Um, Syria. Well, Inter won't win the league again after losing their top goal scorer and manager. So, the favorite is for sure going to be Juventus. They they were they were a talented squad that underperformed last season. Yep. They brought in Max Allegri, who has a steady performance of delivering Serie A titles, many, many, many with Juventus. They have brought in Manuel Locatelli, who you know is going to youthen up their midfield a little bit. They still have a, a lot of the talent. They didn't really address their their aging defense. You know, they have Delict, who, who's young, but he struggled a little bit to adapt. Um, but they they still have Chiellini, Benucci, and then I know Donnie, you've never been impressed with their fullback situation because they're not necessarily fullbacks by trade so much. Um, so they, they, I think there's still some, some holes in, in the team, uh, but they they did not get worse. You know, and they, they brought in a manager who, unlike Pirlo, who's an incredible player, uh, did not have the managerial experience to, to lead that team. But you make a good point. Inter, you know, sold Lukaku. They got they got a good amount of money for Lukaku and Hakimi, who were two of their more influential players in their Scudetto uh, title win. Erickson won't play this season. Erickson won't play this season, but he—he, he, I mean, Erickson was a, a, a big part, but he was oftentimes like a super sub. That they that lost was... Ashley Young. Yep, they lost Ashley Young. Uh, biggest loss. Well, the biggest loss is Big Rom. I think the second biggest loss is Antonio Conte. Yes. Yeah, they asked him to, to cut his wages by like forty percent, and he said, "Fuck you guys. Thanks for the season. No, I'm out." And the unfortunately, um, well, this is, this is actually gonna be weird. So Milan's playmaker, Hakan Shalinoglu, uh, wound down his contract, basically let us believe that if we if we qualified for Champions League, he'd, he'd renew with us. And we, we qualified for Champions League, and he said, actually, I'm going to go to the Euros and have a good tournament, and then you'll have to pay me even more if somebody else will. He went to the Euros and had a shit tournament with Turkey. They bombed the fuck out. And then Inter Milan offered him half a million more than we offered him, and he left for free to enter. Uh, so that was fun. Started his his uh, his first game off and uh, had a goal and an assist. So you'd love to see that. You know, your ex is doing great. Good for you. It's it's like it's like you 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 and your girl break up and you see your ex and. He, you know, she's with this guy, 6'4", 230, pure muscle, and you're just like, fuck. Here's, here's actually where it's a little different. It's like you hear that she's, like, like got this new boyfriend, but then you look at him, and he's 
kind of unfortunate. He's got like a, like, like a gap tooth kind of thing going on because Kalanoglu was always great for Milan against like the mid table and bottom table teams. He just never showed up in big games, which he didn't do in the Euro either for Turkey. Uh, so I'll be I'll be upset about it when he delivers like against Milan or against some of the top teams in the league. It's just unfortunate that Milan lost Donnarumma and Chalunoglu, who combined we probably gotten over a hundred million dollars, you know, for both of them in transfer fees, and instead we got zero dollars for them. Uh, so it'll be it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting. Obviously, I've been monopolizing the conversation, so I'd like to turn it back. Obviously, you mentioned. Uh, Inter will not be the favorites, but what else are you looking for in the season? Uh, I think Jose Mourinho is going to have a big season with Roma. I think Tammy Abraham was a great signing. He looked fantastic. I think jo- Jose is going to revive his career in Italy a little bit. You know, you don't have you don't have to deal with the shitbag weather in England, which is so bad. You get to be in beautiful fucking Rome. And, and it's and it's a league that he knows really well, considering he won the treble. Yes. At this- well, that, that's more due to Wesley Snyder, but that's not—that's a—that's a rant for hey, another day. You—you you try to take that credit away from Jose Mourinho. He will—he will find your house without me giving his, you his address, and he will—he will. I don't know what he'll do, but it will not be pleasant. Uh, oh. I think I think I think Roma are a concern. I don't think they're going to threaten for the title. No, 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 I, no, no, no. I don't think so either. I just—I'm excited to watch them. I think um... all I wanted uh, ever since Tuchel banished uh, Abraham to the Shadow Realm. All I wanted was Tammy at Milan. I know you did. And that's why it was really rough to watch uh, watch Roma swoop, scoop him up. But you guys have Olivier Giroud, so he's really good looking. At least. I know. We, we got the wrong Chelsea forward. Uh, so yeah. to back up our 39-year-old forward, we brought in a 35-year-old forward. But he is hot. And uh, you and I texted about this earlier, but I think I feel pretty good about these picks. I really think Juve is going to win. I think Atalanta, who have been, just been an awesome team to watch these last few years, I think they're going to fall just short at second. I think Milan is going to stay in the top four. I think um, Pioli is a great um, manager. Yeah, he is. And I think he's going to, you know, while it, while it sucks to kind of not necessarily get in the players that you wanted, and maybe Milan could, I think I think Tammy Abraham would have been awesome at Milan too. I just throw that out there. It's when you do, when you don't get any transfer your money in from these you know all star players that leave, it's yes. hard to make forty million for somebody. But I think if anyone can manage the situation, it's him. Um, I mean, nobody would have expected Milan to finish second last season. He got it yeah. done, so I have faith in him, which is why I think Milan finished third. I think the departure of Big Rom, Antonio Conte, and Hakimi is going to be way too much for Inter. To handle just because it's like where where is that offense and where is that where is that going to come from now? I mean that those are big losses. So I think Inter fall out, and I think like I said, I I'm kind of hanging my hat on this. I really think Josie's going to have a really good season with Roma and get him back in the top four and kind of restart his career because I mean he it's not been good it's not. since he left Real Madrid. Yeah, it it, it has not been his he's not been good objectively. So. Um, so yeah, Jose, I think is a big storyline. Obviously I'll, I'll be watching all, you know, vast majority of the Milan games as I have my boy, Teo Hernandez still there. So as long as he's there, I'm pretty, I'm pretty locked in. Yeah. He had honestly, maybe the worst game I've seen him play for Milan. Listen, you see his Instagram, he's out on boats, he's drinking every night. 
he he so he's basically treating like the first five games of the season as his pre, as his preseason warm up. I'm, he'll be I'm hoping he'll be I'm hoping good. he gets, I'm hoping he's announced on the France French roster tomorrow, and he's like, oh fuck, I need to I need to impress in the the qualifiers. So I think I think that'll be like okay, he's gonna he's gonna snap into focus and form. Uh, I'm not I'm not concerned season long. What does concern me is. Um, Romagnoli, his contract is up at the end of the year. He's been kind of relegated to the bench. There's been talks about experimenting with three at the back, which I actually think really works for the this Milan squad because we have three strong center backs and we're we don't have like a, a good right winger. So you can kind of use your your wing backs to to cover some of that, and then you have Kessie and Benacer holding down the mid. I, I, I'd like to see. Not not do that as our entire formation, like as our as our go to, but I'd like to see us play some games where it tactically makes sense as our starting formation. Um, the other big concern is uh, Franck Kessier, who was our best player last year, um, probably our best player the year before too. Uh, just a dominant midfielder in Syria. His renewal is up at the end of the year, and we have not been able to to have successful renewal extension conversations and there's rumors that like Tottenham are going under the table offering him 8 million a year uh, which they legally can't offer they can't talk to our player until six months out but nobody nobody follows those rules so I'm a little worried that we're going to lose our captain and our best player uh, to another to two more free transfers at the end of the season and if that happens we are I think we're fucked yeah, right. that, that, that'll be that happens. That happens. Teo, Teo already kind of wants to go to PSG. That's, that's the rumor. If if we lose these two leaders uh, on freeze after losing the two stars on freeze last season, we'll lose Teo. You know, probably I think he's on contract, so we'll get some money for him. But I think players will come ship, and that's my big concern. I think Milan's squad is good enough to finish top four. You know. The, the question, I, I think Juve win it. I think Inter still finished top four. Uh, their midfield is good. Their defenders are good. Uh, I, I think they still finish top four. Uh, I'd like to think Milan will finish top four, but it will be a, a squeaky bum time like it was last year. Uh, and then it comes down to Atalanta or Roma. And Tammy's good. I, 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 I stand Tammy. I think Jose's got a good mind for the league. I, just, I still don't think they did enough to improve their squad over a pretty disappointing last couple of seasons, Roma. So I, I'm going Atalanta is going to take the final spot. Now, who's going to finish in what order? I'd probably say it's going to be Juve, Atalanta, Inter Milan. This checks out to our text from a few weeks ago, so you are... I completely forgot what I texted <laughs> you, by the way. So I, just, that, that was I referenced funny. what I texted you earlier tonight, because I also forgot what I texted you. Um about that, but I just wanted to be consistent. Was I consistent? Yeah, you were. I was oh, going to call you out. I was like, no, you're a liar. That's not what you think. I Yeah, I, I was just going off of my, my thoughts, so I'm glad to know that I'm, I still have the same thoughts. All right, we've talked enough about Italy. It's Donnie. Let's, let's take us to... Do we have to? <laughs> All right. Well, the Premier League. What to say? What to fucking say? I'm just gonna start out with it. Jack Relish died. Oh my god. I I, you, I just don't know how to talk about the league without mentioning that. You know, so I, I didn't even want him to come to Man U. 
I wanted him to just stay at Villa, where I could love him, where he could be pure. He, he untainted. But he died. He could still be alive. But he's dead now. He's, he's yeah, I, Grealish means nothing to me now. Um, I, he's not a player that that applies his trade in soccer anymore. He's just he's just another guy at Manchester City now. And that's tough. It that's, is tough. It is it is hard. It was it was I it watched, made me so sad. It made me I, so sad to unfollow him on Instagram. <laughs> but out of principle, it had to happen. I, I'm pretty sure I watched every Villa game last season that he that he played in. And I think I did every, almost every. You know, I'm sure there was probably one or two that I missed the season before. But like last two seasons since they got promoted, I basically watched every single Villa game that Grelish was in. I mean, Grelish was a beloved player of this podcast. We loved him. I feel he's like just, I feel like he was almost the, the third host of this podcast in a way. He he was he the had a spirit. Voice. He had a voice. He was the spirit of the pod, and he died. Yeah, and he did it. He, he did that to us. It's not like he's a victim either. He's the culprit. You know what it feels like? It just feels like you just... It goes back to the girlfriend analogy. It just feels like you walk in and one of your good buddies is just teeing off on your girl. And you're just like, what the hell, man? (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were friends. (laughs) I thought we were friends. But no, it's not one of your buddies. It's like your heated like rival, like your nemesis in college or something. Because it's Man City that that, that facilitated the... Oh, so Grelish is the girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> that makes sense. He's so good looking. So you're like, what What the hell, Grelish girlfriend? I thought you, that you were a friend. But then meanwhile, it's like, also, I've always fucking hated you talking to, to the guy. Yeah. So he's at Man City now. Um, They're not getting Harry Kane. Well, can we also talk about the, the, the humor? And I'm pretty sure City couldn't talk to Messi because they had just like spent a hundred million on Grelish. Uh, so like they couldn't, you know, how do you justify putting up the wages for Messi, especially when you already gave Jack the number 10? Yeah, that's pretty funny how they lost out on Messi. I will say that. Um, but listen, City's going to win the league. They're just better. They're good. They're, they, they're, they, they're stacked. They, Grelish is just icing on the cake. You know, Grelish and De Bruyne, what the fuck? Yeah. Why? They shouldn't be allowed to play on the same team. That's bullshit. Thank God. Uh, never thought I'd say this. Thank God for Daniel Levy. Yeah. Daniel Levy is the only thing that prevented them from having a legit super team the way PSG now has a absolute yeah. super team. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I don't get why they just didn't. I mean, they still could, but, well, I guess Kane has now said that he's he's committed to, to Tottenham, LOL. Uh, how committed are you really when you just pulled this little stunt but but i I mean tottenham made it clear give us 150 pounds 150 million pounds and we'll give you kane and they just come they came back with 100 million pounds and like this player or that player like if if they wanted money's not a thing to them it doesn't matter yeah the the sheep will just raise the gas prices by 10 cents a barrel and they'll be fine yeah i I don't so it doesn't matter uh i'm just surprised they didn't actually do it uh, I always, I like that one tweet we had talked about around that Man City's only rival well, well, is so renewable, renewable energy. It was it was. Uh, I just want to give a little context. That was after the Community Shield. Uh, Jack Jack Grealish came on, and this was Tottenham or not? This was Leicester against uh, City, and the fans 
all booed Jack Relish when he got the ball. And these were not Villa fans, right? It was a Leicester City game. But the Leicester fans and maybe neutrals that may have gone to that game were all booing Jack. And there was some what some guy whose name is Kyle Walker, but he, it's not. Yes, he's a he's a he's a a sports journalist whose name is Kyle Walker, but he's not the Manchester City right back who is incredibly who's, fast, still fast, who's very fast. <laughs> um, Kyle Walker. So he tweeted, "So is this what we're gonna do now? Just just uh, you know." Uh, Premier League fans who aren't even City's rivals booing them, and Donnie, uh, you pointed out this this incredible Twitter response somebody had. Yeah, who was just like, he's like, mate, City's only rival is renewable energy, <laughs> which that's funny. I didn't know, that's just objectively very funny. So Manchester City are really really good. They're gonna win the title, and then at that point, it's like, which of the big six are gonna get in the top four? I think oh, who who do you have in the big six? I have the big six equals Ma- the two Manchester clubs. Yep. Liverpool. Yep. Chelsea. Yep. Leicester City. Okay. Th- this is my question. This is my question. The big I think six- there's a big five. I don't know which Tottenham. That- neither Tottenham so- nor Arsenal. Are- I'm going to throw in Tottenham because Harry Kane is, I think, the best player in the Premier League. Yeah, and I think I think Sun is also still underrated. Very, very good player. So I'll throw Tottenham as six because Arsenal have also lost their first two games of the season. Yeah, and I liked at least I like Nuno Santos. Um, yeah, I'll so, throw so, Tottenham, but Tottenham in there they're, they're they're in a very soft six position. That that's why I was asking the question. First off, the big six used to mean the four you named plus Arsenal and Tottenham. That does not make sense anymore. Right, that's that's the Super League six, right? That's the six teams that that try to fuck everybody over. I think you've got the big four, which are the ones you named, uh, and then you have Leicester, who if they could just stop like bottling it at the the tail end of the season and and get another top four finish, they could kind of build themselves into that top five. Dude, Leicester is like a guy who brings back the most attractive girl back to his apartment. It's like literally just. Seconds away from sealing the deal, and then says, "Hey, you want to see my fucking fossil collection?" <laughs> or he throws up, like, or so, yeah, or he just throws up on her, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree, and, and that's why I was asking the question because I think it's it's the big four. Um, if I had to, if I had to rank them, I would would go the four you said: Leicester in fifth, Tottenham in sixth, uh, because you know. They've, they've got some some issues going on with their star player not wanting to be there anymore yeah. uh, and wanting to go to a direct rival. And then Arsenal uh, in, in sixth, uh, the, or in seventh, I mean. So that's my thoughts. Now, we haven't spent any time yet talking about United. Well. You, ha- you had a transfer window to be proud of. No, we did not. No? Jaden Sancho, great signing. Probably won't do that well for us, because it's, cause, cause it's us. But he's not wearing the 7, at least. Yeah, he's wearing fucking 25. That's almost worse. Maybe it's not worse, but it's not better. <laughs> Varane, good signing. Very needed signing. Um, but it doesn't matter how much you strengthen your attack or your defense if your midfield is shit. And our midfield is still Fred. And that's not good. And it's just, it's hard for me to get excited because 
we blow leads out of the water. Bruno Fernandez hat trick. Paul Pogba for assists. Fucking yeah. best day of my life. And then Fred has an own goal and we tie Southampton 1-1. Hey man, at least he's keeping the scoring going. <laughs> it's just like, it's just going to be the same shit with me and you where it's just like, I'm going to look back at the season and be like, man, if those four, four draws were wins, maybe we really could have won the title. It's just going to be the same thing because I think our midfield can just get dominated because it's fucking Fred. And listen, Fred works his ass off on the field. I'll never say he's a lazy player. He's not. He's yeah. a... He fucking has a motor, but he sucks. <laughs> he, he works really hard, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. I have nothing against him as a person, but he's fucking Fred. He's a walking meme. He is the bane of my existence. I think McTominay with another defensive midfielder can, be, can work. I really do. The double pivot, man. But McTominay and Fred is just like, well, I just want to fucking kill myself. Well, what, what about, well, wasn't, against Southampton, wasn't it Matic and Fred? That's even worse. Matic is so old. I know. How is how is Jose not trying to take Matic with him to Roma? I thought Jose always tried to take Matic with him. He, he does love Matic. I just, so, I don't know. Rashford, he's going to be out for a little bit. Yeah. Now, I will say one thing that's made me happy is Mason Greenwood seems Mason's like he's going to be the goal scorer, which is nice. I think, I think he's going to get a, a, an England call for the qualifiers. It would also be nice for him. But I just think that Manu are doomed to finish fourth. I think City will win. I think Chelsea just got a in. Like, Chelsea's on steroids with Lukaku. I think it just sucks to have had Lukaku a couple of years ago for Man U and now have to watch him back at Chelsea. He's probably going to score against Man U. I actually, you know what? First Chelsea Man U game, I'm fucking betting the house that Lukaku's scoring in that game. Uh, I think Liverpool will finish third. I, you know, I think their guys are coming off long-term injuries. You know, going to take some time to work back in, but I think they'll have a good season. And then I think Man U will just squeak in at fourth and... They'll just they'll they'll just draw a bunch of games they shouldn't draw and they'll lose a, they'll lose some stupid games and I don't know I was really excited after the Leeds game and then the Southampton game just brought me right back to earth I I I think United's gonna surprise you they're not gonna win the title don't worry I'm I'm not I'm not crazy well we I, just I finished think... second so the only way they could surprise me no that's the only way they could improve on their finish from last year. I think they're going to surprise you because you think they're going to finish fourth and, and not have as good of a season as they just had. I think I think it'll be frustrating. I think it'll be disappointing. I think you're going to lose to the title winners by, you know, eight, nine points. Uh, so it's not going to be necessarily close. But I've got, I've got City winning it. I've got City winning it and pulling away with it. I've got United in second. I think I have the same finish as last year. I have United, I have City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool. Last I, year, I think it was Liverpool, Chelsea. Okay, I, I, I think I think it was Chelsea, Liverpool because Liverpool almost missed out on Champions League. And, I thought Chelsea almost missed out, but would have had the chance to still get back in if they won. It was close. It was obviously very close. Maybe it was. It was. You're right. It made, it was close. No, I think I think you're right. I think it was Chelsea, Liverpool. Anywho, I, that, that's what I have. I, 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 I wrote Leicester instead of Liverpool, but I was like, I got fooled once. I got fooled twice. I cannot, I cannot get fooled a third time. 
No, I was right. Chelsea finished fourth. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, it was on the final day. They lost. Liverpool won, but Leicester also lost. If, like, all three teams had won, it would have been uh, Chelsea third, Leicester fourth, and Liverpool fifth. Uh, but, like, both teams just didn't want to win. Uh, Wait, that, is the current should West Ham be in the current Big Six because they finished sixth last year and they finished above top their their uh, other London rivals? I, I I was actually thinking about it. I I think sustained performance. Let's see how they do this. So year. Arsenal are definitely no longer in the Big Six. Yeah, they're out. I, 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 and and honestly, Matt, I'm sorry. You're a great guy. I try not to be too negative about Tottenham. Tottenham are out of the Big Six, too, because the Big Six doesn't exist anymore. The Super League Six exists. And guess what? You're, you guys are in that with Arsenal, too. It's the Big Four. And then, it, I think it's the Big Five. I think you can say Leicester is... A, is okay. Because they've won, they've won a Premier League title. Recently, too. Okay, that's Recently, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're always hovering... It, they're always pretty much finishing fifth. Yeah, th- yeah, it's the Big Five. It's the Big Five. But when I say Big Four plus Leicester, it makes it clear to everybody that I'm not like like like, like still keeping Tottenham or Arsenal in the conversation. Yeah. So that's kind of I guess Lukaku Chelsea. That's going to be ridiculous. Um, Grealish at City also ridiculous. Hopefully, Brandon Sancho don't fucking suck. <laughs> um, Liverpool get big big verge back. Virgil van yep. Dijk. Uh, yep. That'll be big. If, if they can make it through a season without the injuries they had last year, you know, they should do better, right? I, I They they will be better. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Leicesters, West Ham... T- you know, Tottenham's gotten off to a good start, by the way. It should be said. Uh, Nuno Santos is a good coach, man. Playing some very Nuno ball, right? Where they've had two, uh, two one-goal wins, I think. Uh, they score and they keep it tight, but their first, their first game... We got to talk about it. City, Tottenham, with Harry Kane not pl- not on the match day squad because he was holding out to force a move to City. And Tottenham fucking wins. And Tottenham win. And you know what? After that game, if City offered my valuation for Harry Kane, I gladly give I gladly give him over for that money. Right? If they punted up the hundred fifty pounds. I take them and I build an attack all around showcasing Sonny. It, it, it Kane is really good, and I don't want this to go the wrong way, but like, so you know the Patrick Ewing effect where when when Patrick Ewing left the Knicks, they kind of played better almost. So I'm not saying Tottenham are better without Harry Kane, but Son I think is even better without Harry Kane because he can be the focal point of the team in the attack, and yeah. so you. You could you could invest that money in like three or four key signings and build a team that might get you higher than wherever the fuck they finished last year, seventh or eighth or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of other stories, I think we're both really excited for Brentford, who are who are in their first season of Premier League and started things out with a two 0 win against Arsenal, winning us quite a bit of money. Brentford B, so I think that's exciting. I think Everton are going to suck a lot more because they lost oh, yeah. Carlo Ancelotti. Well, also, my guy Hamas kind of being a bitch. <laughs> yes. He's kind of being a uh, crybaby. So he, he, he has kind of openly said he came to Everton for Carlo. 
Carlo left. <laughs> Didn't even leave a fucking note. <laughs> not even a goodbye. Uh, not taking him with him. He doesn't want to... I don't think he likes the city of Liverpool. I don't think Who after does? living... After does? after living in what Madrid and Bayern, I don't I don't think he's or, or yeah, in Munich. I don't think he's loving life in in Liverpool. Just constantly raining. Carlo left. I, I he doesn't want to be there. He's he's so I'm I'm a little disheartened by the the way he's he's kind of taken uh, you know his attitude. A little, little sour on on Hamas right now. I think Everton are in trouble and are going to have a, a, a poor season. They are not going to get relegated, but I would be surprised if they finish in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, Brent, Brentford, I'm pumped to see. I'm, I'm worried. I'm, I'm not worried about them as much, you know, but they've got four points in their, in their first two games. That's incredible for a newly promoted team, especially against, you know, one of the Super League six in the, the very first game. I'm worried about the, one of their uh, promoted partners, Norwich, who have brought in Josh our boy, the Red, the Red Baron, uh, as a backup to Tamu Puki. Uh, Tamu Puki is going to get most of the minutes in the league, but Sargent's got to start in the Carabao Cup, whatever the fuck that is, and got, what, two goals and an assist. So I, I'll be watching them. They had the hardest opening two games. Liverpool and City were their first two games. It doesn't get much easier for them so they, anytime soon. They're in the bottom of the table. They're they're gonna they're gonna have a, a rough go of it, but it's just gonna come down to when they play against the the rest of the the bottom half of the of the table. They need to get some wins and some draws. And yep. I'll be watching. I'll be watching them, especially if I ever get a notification that you know when Sar- Sargent subbed in on both games. By the way, in the Premier League, so they they clearly plan to use him. Well, I think that kind of brings us back to some of the transfers um, to kind of wrap things up a little bit here. Obviously, the biggest bombshell, we talked about it a bit already, is Messi to PSG. What's even more insane is that not only did they get Messi for free, but they got one of the best goalies in the world. And this is kind of a kick to the nuts for you, buddy, Donnarumma. They got Giorgio um, Wijnaldum from Liverpool. And they got Sergio Ramos from Real Madrid all on all, a free, all for freeze. So that's fun. And that's um, they pro- that's probably that's four starters they just added. Yeah, you know Ramos will. You know he he missed some time last season with injuries. He hasn't been able to play yet, I think, because of uh, injuries. So he, he will be a fitness thing. Also, Kaylor Navas is still the starter for uh, PSG so far. So Donnarumma has not started a game yet. I would love nothing more than for him to have left Milan to move to a different team. And ride but, the bench. And ride the fucking bench. That would be amazing. Uh, they also bought uh, Hakimi for, what, $53 million, uh, from Enter. Fair really, price. Fair price. Really good business for one of the, people would argue, the best right back. I'd say the best offensive right back in Serie A. Uh, he and Big Rom uh, helped deliver the title. So incredible bit of business. Uh, although, you know, I think we, we mentioned this before about certain somebody for France and PSG who kind of likes to be the spotlight. Uh, it seemed like PSG was trying to show Mbappe that they are building a superstar team uh, to convince him to stay. But yeah, three headed monster of Neymar, Messi, Mbappe. It kind of feels like it actually had the opposite impact. 
he and today actually it came out from PSG's director Leonardo that Mbappe wants to leave, but PSG won't let and PSG will let him leave, but it'll be on PSG's terms. Uh, Real Madrid, I think, sent in a bid for like 150 million. 160, I think. 160 euro. Yeah, I think euro. Uh, and PSG said nope. Uh, yeah, uh, a member quite of the rudely. They quite member, rudely rejected it, according to me- Perez. A, a member of the royal family like had a, a public response that it was uh, an insulting. Uh, it, it would be too insulting to even call it an offer. That it was an insult and not 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 a, not an actual offer. And like that's when they kind of said, if Mbappe wants to leave, it will be on our terms. They, I think, value him at two hundred twenty uh, million euro. So also, if you're gonna offer like one sixty, you just might as well offer like two hundred mil. Well, here's the thing: Mbappe's made it clear he wants to go, and he this is his last year in contract, isn't it? It's either the last year or the second to last year. But either way, he's leaving soon. Yeah, maybe it's second to last year. That could be it. Um, he's young enough. You could. Uh, that's this is one I, I'd wait it out. No, until twenty twenty two. This is his last oh. year. Yeah, I'd wait it out. Really, you 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 would risk losing him for nothing if you're PSG instead of no. I, I you said you would said if you're offering one sixty, why not just offer two twenty? So from Ray Al perspective, oh. I'm waiting getting him for free. Okay, okay, okay. You're you're saying from Real's perspective. If I if I'm PSG, I'll try to push to as close to two twenty as I can. Maybe get him up to one eighty, but I mean, at a certain point, I don't want a guy walking away from free. And if I can at least get what I paid for him initially and call it even. Probably pretty good business at the end of the day because if part of the part of the problem is they they have a percentage that has to go to Monaco uh, mm. for, for future uh, fees. So I think that's why they want two twenty because they siphon like thirty or forty to Mon- to Monaco and then the rest goes PSG. But obviously, there's still seven days. There's still a week left. Something yeah. could get done. and there's, there's there's a winter window too. Um, but I with 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 his with his uh, contract winding down. I and, and now that he's publicly saying he wants to leave, obviously you run a risk of a different club, like kind of running in. And he, he's and, always had eyes for Real. Madrid. He's made it clear that playing for Real was a childhood dream of his. Yeah. So, I, 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 you offered one sixty, especially the way that it was. You know, per, we, I, we never cited Perez, but I do feel like he wasn't wrong with describing the rejection as quite rude yeah. by PSG. I don't offer them a cent more. That's that's my offer. Take it or I'll I'll we'll pay him whatever the fuck he wants for free next yeah. year. Yeah, good point. I mean um, PSG did that for Messi, Donnarumma, Wijnaldum, and Ramos, so Yeah. I all fair points. Um also very interesting Ramos has spent years trying to break Messi's ankles in uh El Clasico's and now they're gonna be uh, teammates Watching their first hug as teammates like was was weird. Yeah, it reminded me of, of the uh, like the meme from the Last Dance with Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. Yes. Fuck you, you big. Yeah, you big. Yeah. Um. So it's funny because if Mbappe left for Real Madrid this window, there's a certain player at Juventus who's not happy there and wants a move named Cristiano Ronaldo, that would conveniently open up the number seven jersey at PSG. And today, PSG's owner's brother 
tweeted a picture of Ronaldo in a PSG uniform next to Messi in a PSG uniform. So it's just interesting how what what like what I'm not be. saying it's gonna happen. I'm saying something crazy could happen in the next. There's, week. A, there's, a, there's a particular sliding doors moment about to yes. happen. Of Ronaldo, Neymar, and um, Messi, and Messi, yeah. But the best part of it would be all three would not be playing in a top five league. Yeah, they would be in the sixth league after Benfica qualified for the uh, Champions League group stage. Uh, it made an update to the UEFA league ranking coefficients, and by like less than a point. Uh, so by some decimals, the Portuguese league has now jumped uh, the Uber Eats league in. So the league rankings are are now, you know, the top four being, I don't, I don't know the exact order, but I think it's Premier League, La Liga, uh, Bundesliga, Serie A, and then you have... Portuguese Premier League. Portuguese Premier League, and then the Uber Eats league in. So now the one last thing to touch on on CR7 is... There are disturbing reports that his agent... Now, I think this is important. I have never seen the report a report that says explicitly Ronaldo wants to play for Manchester City. I have seen reports saying his agent is trying to engineer a move to Man... And the agents kind of go rogue sometimes yeah, to yeah. Man City. But Man City don't want to offer Juventus a dime for him. And Juventus are like, well, we want like 25 or 30 million. Um... If it's true that he wants out and the asking price is twenty five or thirty million, I think Manchester United are insane to not bring him back. If he wants to come back. If he wants to come back, which I would not blame him for not wanting to come back. Yeah. And I, I, I think your your you know, agents can go rogue and do their own thing, you know, is fair. Let me tell you that that was the most common like sentiment on the Milan uh, mini Reddit about the extended Donnarumma contract negotiation. How, oh, it's just right. They're same, they're same agent. It's just Riola. Uh, no, no, Mendez is, is Ronaldo's agent. My bad. But, yeah. oh, it's, it's just, it's just Donnarumma's agent uh, that is playing hardball. Donnarumma wants to sign with us. He's going to sign with us. They're just going to get the max number, the amount they can. And then it came to it and he walked. So, at the end of the day, the agents are employees of the players. Um, I'd be worried. Oh, they're independent contractors. I, I, that's fair. They work okay. They work for them. Well, listen, I'm not thrilled. Obviously, I'm worried. I'm having. I'm really stretching outside the box. I would rather he go to PSG. I'd rather Mbappe. Go, I like. I, I am trying to push anything. To, I'd rather him literally go anywhere else short of Liverpool. Yeah. It will be. It might kill Sir Alex. Yeah. If he went to Man City and Sir Alex died within the 30 days, that's on Ronaldo's hands. Honestly, within that season, it's on Ronaldo. That would also break my heart, man. That, you know how many members I have? This just got dark, man. Can we go home? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pod next sometime, in, you know, in a week or so. Uh, in between the international break with some more international focused uh, content and then we'll resume our you know every other week schedule maybe we'll, we'll sneak in some some weekly uh, stuff but we will we will commit to an every other week 
Yes, and one last thing I want to add is that the Onis will, are on a COVID delay, so we will release the Onis a little bit later. That's our award show, but the Onis will happen. It will probably be in the next month or two. Yeah. You will get the Onis, but they were on a COVID delay. They were. So that's always my favorite episode, but it's also the episode that honestly requires the most preparation. <laughs> it really does. We have to put in categories and contestants. <laughs> It's, and we have, to, we have to invite everybody to call in, and then we have to deal with all the rejections. It's the whole thing. And the worst part is, like, I feel like we usually have a category and a winner picked really easily, but then we just got to we gotta create the illusion of the award show and add in the other We have all of the contestants, yeah. All right, well, we're happy to be back after a long time off and ready to be back potting consistently. As always, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, at Pod. Email us, ungolpod at gmail.com. And remember, you can listen to us on both Spotify and uh, iTunes. And if you listen to us on iTunes, but you have Spotify, just subscribe to us on Spotify anyway. We're really trying to increase that Pod footprint. It's all about the footprint, boys and girls. Bye. Bye. To the byline. It's in, it's an It's a gift. He's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no chance to the keeper.